from Stephen King, the modern master of terror, creator of Pet Cemetery and Misery, comes an all-new excursion to the place where Hopper comes alive. This used to be a nice little town, but for Jim Norman, it holds a terrifying secret. Now, 27 years later, he's come back with his family, but they won't be alone. All he wants is a chance for a new beginning. The things that haunt him are about to begin all over again. Can Jimmy come out and play? starting again isn't it now matt is really exciting because he is actually in the movie that we are talking about tonight that's right sometimes they come back and i'm supposed to be weaving in and out trying to avoid the death mobile right and now i think back and go that was very i was very close to death one wrong turn and i spill i would have been ran right over oh but no i was into it man and then they had a stunt man go over the bridge and he hit that bar on the bridge and flipped over and that was the first time i ever saw what a stunt man can really do it was like these guys have balls sometimes they come back. I've been waiting for you, son. Watch a few movies, take a few notes. <laughs> it was fun. <laughs> Ah, 1991. Such an interesting time for horror movies like Silence of the Lambs, The People Under the Stairs, Child's Play, the, the, the third one, and this rare gem from Stephen King. And what's better than talking about a Stephen King movie? talking about a Stephen King movie with one of the stars. So let's go. Put on your acid wash jeans and don your favorite mullet wig as we get ready to talk about 1991's Sometimes They Come Back. And now your dolls of horror, Summer and Tori, with special guest, Matt Nolan. Hi guys, welcome back to the Dolls of Horror podcast. I'm Summer. And I'm Tori. And tonight we have a very special guest on, Mr. Matt Nolan. Say hi, Matt. What's up? What's up? Thanks for having me. Oh, we are so thrilled to have you. Now, Matt is really exciting uh, for me <laughs> to have on because he is actually in the movie that we are talking about tonight. That's right. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, you may also recognize Matt from things such as Argo, Grimm, The Booth at the End, 24, Jack's Play, Sword Duty, my favorite, Beverly Hills 90210, because I'm a total freak. And the movie we're talking about tonight is 1991's Sometimes They Come Back from Stephen King. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so before we get started, Matt, tell us about your horror journey. What made you love horror? Um, well, I had four older brothers, two stepbrothers, two Nolan brothers. And um, so I was always seeing movies that were inappropriate for a child my age to see. So <laughs> The Exorcist was the first one I was introduced to. I mean, I saw 
if you want to qualify Jaws as almost horror, I saw that at five years old in the movie theater on opening weekend. Wow. And some somebody spilled hot coffee on my head in the lobby. What? And, and my dad turned around and grabbed the guy and went, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> and uh, and I, it was the first time I had seen my dad almost kick somebody's butt right in front of me. And then I got into the movie and it changed my view of the ocean for the rest of my life. Everybody. Um, that's everybody. Yeah, story. everybody. Yes, yes. But my brother, my brother, Ken, he, he's a writer. He wrote Black Hawk Down, Transformers. Uh, Holy shit. Only the Brave. He was a big horror. We were the one of the first kids to have HBO on our block, and he would. We watched Amityville Horror, um, you know, uh, the the really early, really scary films. I mean, but I think Alien. Seeing that in the movie theater, Alien was one of the most was one of the most frightening experiences I'd ever seen. And then, of course, The Shining. That was Stephen King. I thought that was his masterpiece of modern horror. And um, and then just really throughout the 80s, I saw everything on HBO that came out. You know, The Fog, all these kind of B movies that were The Hills Have Eyes. Oh, yeah. Like that, you know, that were um, that were so frightening. And uh, uh, now my brother, you know, you know, even though with millions of dollars, he still dreams every night that he's being chased and, and somebody's trying to kill him because of all the horror movies. <laughs> Are you affected like that, or are you fine? I'm, everything's okay with me, man. Because um, I get to, you know, I get to exercise and as an actor. I, maybe that's the cathartic part. I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't have that, that terror that some people get from horror. I find it a, um, a relief. Almost, it's an escape from real life because there is no such thing as a Freddy Krueger, right? Right. Yeah. There is such thing as mass murders out there, mall shootings, disease, but the the villains that we have in these movies, especially from the 80s, total fantasy. Right. Yes, there is some solace in that. That's for sure. So I find it, I don't even want to say comforting, just entertaining and just an escape. Yes. What? Absolutely. What's your favorite horror movie? Oh, I think I, I think I just touched on it. The Shining, mm-hmm. probably. Um, I think uh, The Exorcist is is one of the greatest. Um, and um, recently, what was that movie? Um, Doctor Sleep or Out? Something Out? Get Out? Get Out? Okay, okay, yeah. Was it Get Out? Mm-hmm. Oh, I thought that was excellent, man. That, that, was, that was really, really creepy. Good. I th- thought finally they made a really good horror film. Um, Nightmare on Elm Street, Friday the Thirteenth, um, all the all the very big big name famous ones. I loved um, the making fun of the the uh, horror genre. It was Army of Darkness, one of my favorite movies. I love that one. Oh yeah, uh, that's part three, right, in the series. Yeah, that's right of the Evil Dead series. Right. Right. I really yeah. enjoy that one. It's it's really fun. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So. Yes. Sometimes they come back. 1991. This movie was originally a made-for-TV movie, correct, Matt? That's right. And what was it? Was it CBS or? CBS. And I think it was one of the first uh, Stephen King made-for-TV movies 
Dino De Laurentiis was the producer and he planned on releasing it as a feature worldwide, but CBS had the rights at oh. home. And Dino De Laurentiis had long done a lot of business, um, uh, Firestarter um, right. and Dead Zone and a lot of films. So he knew Stephen King very well. I think Salem's Lot was the first uh, movie of the week, which was a scary movie. Yeah. Um, and But this one was, uh, yeah, written out of a short story, and we filmed it in Kansas City, Missouri. Wow. And, Tori, have you ever read the short story? No, I haven't. Well, I I love the short story. Um, it was originally published, actually, in a, a gentleman's magazine before he had any books out. Wow. Yes, uh, it, the magazine was the March 1974 issue of Cavalier. I'm not sure if the magazine is still around. It's probably a website instead now. But then it was republished in one of his compilation books, Night Shift, in 1978. And that's how people really got to know the story. But yeah, it was a magazine story. And to put this in perspective, Carrie was his first book and his first hit. Mm. That was released one month later. Wow. Mm -hmm. April of 74, Carrie came out. And this was in the March 74 issue. Incredible. Right? Mm -hmm. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes. So Yeah, whenever whenever you told me earlier, Summer, that it was a made-for-TV movie, I was like, no freaking way. Way. <laughs> because, I, I mean, I, I've always loved it. I know a couple of the people that have always loved it. It's pretty big in the horror community. I just couldn't believe it. I couldn't. Mm -hmm. and, it and it is so well-received and so popular now, I believe, I think, in my eyes, you know. That's cool. And, you know, there's, a, there's a, quite a few quite a few themes in this movie that I realized when knowing I was going to do this podcast, I started thinking about the movie and I might be jumping ahead, but the scene with the train mm -hmm. and the kid and the mm -hmm. dead, dead brother, mm -hmm. a lot of that stuff crosses over with stand by me. Stand yes. by me. Stand by me was an innocent tale, but this was the inception of that. For some reason, Stephen King had a fixation on trains and you see it mm -hmm. in this movie. Yes. Mm hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And he also, this isn't the first thing he's done that took place in a train tunnel. The stand had a train tunnel scene. Oh, wow. When, when they're trying to, it's been a long time since I've read the book, but um, I've seen the movie more recently. And, you know, they're trying to go through the tunnel because that's the only way to get to the other side. And the Laura San Giacomo character is freaking out because she's claustrophobic. So he deals with tunnels a lot. He really does. So awesome. <laughs> now, there are a few differences in the short story and in the movie. Now, I think short stories work really good for movies because you can have a lot of detail and you don't lose a lot of the story. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So one, a few things that I notated that the story had, and it's been a while since I've read the story, so I was just going off of memory, really, that... Um, the class he was teaching, this you kind of figured this out, that the name of it was Living with Lit. And the teacher said that it was for the slow learner. So, oh, wow. Yeah. In <laughs> the funny. original story, he did not have a son. Oh, wow. And, okay. And his wife died. Jeez. So he's yeah. a loner. 
He's a loner. His well, his wife died, was killed by the demons. Oh, killed by the demons. I yes. gotcha. Mm-hmm. <laughs> then he was alone. He was also much <laughs> younger in okay. the story. In the original story, he was only like twenty five years old. And mm-hmm. only sixteen years had passed since the accident. Which is probably how old Stephen King was. Wasn't he about twenty five, thirty when Carrie came out? Yeah, about Wasn't that. He? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So they just aged him because in the movie they made him 36 years old and 27 years had passed. I see. Uh-huh. So it made sense that he would then have a family, but he was much younger in the original story. Uh-huh. And the end was, was different. Um, in the end of the original story, he gets rid of the ghosts by having a seance in his classroom with the help of a book called Raising Demons. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> So wow. the the tunnel, he never goes back to the tunnel. He goes back to the tunnel in throughout the story. But in the end, he tackles the demons alone in his classroom. Cool. That's <laughs> Crazy, pretty cool. Right? That, that's just too much for TV, though. <laughs> yeah. Do it. No, no. Mm-mm. No. And he, was more, he was much more of an innocent, wide-eyed. He really Tim was. Tim Matheson was an innocent, wide-eyed uh, teacher, kind of like. Right. You know, hey, what's going on here? Yeah. You, you know, you yeah. never leave it lead a seance, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. He and he figured it out all on his own. He's like, Well, I'm gonna get this book from the library and just raise some demons. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. And my final little crossover note on this one was um the officer that he goes to visit in the he was yeah. older, Officer Nell. Officer Nell is in it. Really? Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. So, okay. So, King likes to cross over his world a lot. Officer Nell is the officer in it. Oh, heck yeah. Heck yeah, yeah. that's right. Okay. Well, I have, did you notice, okay, you said in the short story that mm-hmm. he says that the class is for slow learners. Mm-hmm. Well, did, in the movie, the guy says this class is for jocks. Mm-hmm. And what do you say, John? Airheads and airheads like so and so. So eight. yeah, they kind of touch on that a little bit. Yeah, yeah. it's yeah. Just like it's just a it's just a lazy get me by class. Yes. Yeah. Yes. That's right. So in the story, the teachers said that it was for the slow learners. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's mm-hmm. how they called it. <laughs> so yeah. That's yeah. not very nice. Yeah. Right. This is a more PC way of saying, uh, and, and also, you know, Stephen King would approve of saying "screw you" to the jocks and the airheads. Oh yes. Mm-hmm. He, was, he was neither. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I um, I really love the cast of this movie. Matt, you. <laughs> Thanks. Thank you. But it also had Tim Matheson, Brooke Adams, Robert Rustler, and Robert Hyde Gorman. All these people have done other horror things. Robert oh. Rustler. Robert oh, yeah. Rustler is, yeah, he did a lot. Yeah. And of course, Brooke Adams is the queen. She's, yes. And she is still a queen. She is so beautiful. I see her on social media. She's actually, um, Tori, she is married to Tony Shaloub, who was okay, 13 Ghosts, yes. you know? Yes, yes, yes. I was looking her up um, over the weekend. Yeah. Yeah. Because I was like, I know her from something. And you know me. Mm-hmm. It's gonna drive yeah. me crazy. It's gonna drive me crazy. <laughs> but I didn't guess Willy Wonka this time. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Matt, in in our episode with Billy, 
<laughs> she confused <laughs> Gene Wilder with Michael Caine. <laughs> oh my god, that's hilarious. <laughs> and she said, talking about Michael Caine, is that Willy Wonka? <laughs> <laughs> Oh my gosh. That's a hilarious episode, guys. You gotta listen to yeah, it. It's a long real- one, but it's it's a shit yeah. show, but it's great. Well, like that I one. said, it drove me nuts. If I see somebody that I recognize, I have to find out where they're from, where I know them from. Right. And I was yeah. like, I and I was so sitting there watching the movie, like I said, and I was like, Oh, I know, I know where he's from. It's Willy Wonka. <laughs> and it's like the person that the person I was with is like, What? Are you going what? Crack? <laughs> what? Now, to be fair, Michael Caine could have played Willy Wonka, but he would have been very out of place with his Cockney accent. Yes, yeah, so I'm like, but yeah. like, it was the hair, man. It was the hair. Yeah, <laughs> it was. That's what it was. So it's we named we named that episode Willy Wonka. Is that you? Yeah. Oh, that's so funny. Oh my god. <laughs> um, this episode, not episode. Okay, hello. This movie also had a really good director, Tom McLaughlin. He directed Friday the 13th, Part 6, Freddy's Nightmares, Friday the 13th, the series, a show I really liked called The Others. It didn't last very long. Mm. And then Mm -hmm. um, Billy's show, Leaving L.A. He did an episode of that. Yeah, wow. So he's a a big horror guy. And so when I saw that he was the director of this, I was like, oh, my God. I geeked out. Totally geeked out. (laughs) I had to audition for this about four times. And um, I I don't know, sometimes it just happens. And that was my first year in Los Angeles. And on the third or fourth audition, I didn't have any long hair. I didn't have anything. I was a kind of a clean cut kid that looked like I worked at the Gap. But I was reading it and the casting director just turned around. Everybody goes, that's it right there. That's it. And I thought to myself, is it it? Is that it? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and then um, sure enough, I got the part. It was really, it was unexpected. And then they put hair extensions on me and I didn't oh shave God. a little bit. And, um, I was out in Kansas City. It was really thrilling. So awesome. That must have been so exciting. Oh, man. How um, how cold was it when you were filming? Or was it hot? Was it cold? What was the temperature? It was, it wasn't, it wasn't freezing. It, it was, it was moderate, I remember. But when, when was it? What time of year? It was a. Uh, October okay. of 1990. Okay. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. Which was pretty intense. October to, to November. Yeah. But I was the first character killed. So unfortunately, yes. I, I had to leave after about two weeks. Yes. But um, <sighs> it's still, uh, it was a bummer. Everybody's like, oh, Matt, maybe you can stick around for a little while. I'm like, well, how, how does that work? Who's right. Gonna pay for, who's going to pay for me to stay? Right. <laughs> I got a plane ticket. Right. <laughs> but you did have a, a good death. Oh, yeah, the death. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, heck yeah. Just right over the bridge, man. They had a thing with that bridge, I got to say. <laughs> yeah, and the death mobile. I don't even know what that was called. <laughs> death mobile. It, it had fire coming out of it with a ghost, the three ghosts drove in it. Mm-hmm. And, um, it the Sir, thought, the, that was a 1955 Chevy 150. Oh. Man, they they really they really uh, tw- tweaked that up, man. It was incredible. <laughs> but um, the the stunt man shows up to my hotel room and he was just a really out there. He goes, "Are you pretty good on a bicycle?" Oh and it, it just so it just so happened that I I'd, I'd ridden a mini bike upstate New York and I rode a, a bicycle in Portland, Oregon, for transportation growing up. 
So I'm like, oh, hell yes, I'm good on a bike. And I was, I, you know, it was one of my first jobs, so I wanted to please. So I find myself on the road that leads up to Jesse James' house where he was assassinated. That's where we filmed. Holy this, shit. The scene where I was going to die. And we filmed this on a good downhill ramp. So I got the camera rig in front of me on a truck, and I got the death mobile behind me. And I'm supposed to be weaving in and out trying to avoid the death mobile. Right. And now I think back and go, that was very, I was very close to death. One, oh, one right. accident, one wrong turn and I spill, I would have been, they would have went and just ran me over right over. Oh but, no. But, um, I was into it, man. And then they had a stunt man go over the bridge and I saw this guy said, okay, we're going to do this. We're going to do that. And he hit that that bar on the bridge and flipped over and that was the first time i ever saw what a stuntman can really do it was like these guys have balls and these mm. ladies these ladies are crazy i mean they're all so deeply professional i mean it's just a whole nother world that stunt world yeah was, you, was your, your so your stuntman was a male or a female he was he was a male. male i was just giving props to the female stunt oh yeah and uh but um well i know that sometimes they do get a female to play the man that's if right they have oh, the no. right body type this was a dude and um and when i when i went down near the peak where i was dead the tom mclaughlin was like can you can you make yourself like and i opened my eyes i said that's good that's good and then i put my arm behind my neck like i twisted and broke my neck and they mm -hmm. went, oh, that's it right there. And this ties in with your format of your show about death scenes or yeah. something. Um, I think this is the best death angle. If you go back and look at the movie, I have my arm twisted around me. And where I got the idea okay. was from the film The Deep. Did you ever see The Deep with Nick Nolte? I haven't. I haven't. Jacqueline Bissett? No. Oh, my gosh. And, and uh, Lou Gossett Jr. It's so frightening. And um, it came after Jaws, and it's so good. And one of the characters in the movie gets killed, and he's and he's and he dies in a similar position. I just ripped that position right off and put it in the movie. <laughs> oh, <wow>. And they <laughs> loved it. It and they, worked. Tom McGaughan said, "Ooh, yeah, roll camera." <laughs> I also really loved. Now you had a great death scene, just because of everything that was involved with the writing. And the riding and the swerving and the, mm -hmm. the fall over mm -hmm. and then that final shot as you said but I also really really loved Chip's death scene not necessarily because of his death because you didn't really see him get killed mm -hmm. but I loved how they said um, they gave him the face mm -hmm. <laughs> that, I chose that as my favorite death yeah. <laughs> and yeah. then they threw his the body parts out of the car <laughs> over, the bridge, <laughs> over the bridge into the water. That's right. <laughs> Boy, oh my god! I wanted I, I wanted to touch on the bicycle since he, since Matt brought it up. Absolutely. I I had to ride my bike to and from school every day in elementary school and part of middle school. Right. And I rode it with my brother and sister. It was no big deal back then. And every day, you know, to and from school, rode my bike. And for some reason, around, I want to say, fourth grade, I had two really bad bicycle accidents where I got thrown over the handles. Oh. And, my and my mom's just like, my child can't ride a bike. Something happened. She's, she's, <laughs> so, 
like literally still like literally still to this day my mom and brother and sister think i'm incapable of riding a bike oh my god <laughs> and it is like the most hilarious thing yeah 20 years it's, later huh? yeah they think i'm i'm 35 years old and my whole family just thinks i'm completely incapable of riding a bicycle oh poor tori they bring it up at thanksgiving and christmas <laughs> remember how, how when do. we all discovered tori can't ride a bike yes. well, at that time in our lives they all like re- base it back to that time in their lives when tori couldn't ride a bike yeah, <laughs> it, oh it haunts me because because I have children and they have bikes, obviously. And I see the adult bicycles at Walmart, and I'm like, oh, I want one. You know, I want to ride bikes with my kids. And yes. then I flash, and then I flash back. Oh to no! Me. I gotta record it and send it to my mom so I can prove I know how to ride a bike. Yes, you <laughs> can. <laughs> You're only nine or, nine or ten years old. You need another chance. Yeah, you, you need another opportunity. Well, here's what happened. I was not. I, I don't want to say that I wasn't very bright because I think I'm very bright. But what happened was, and this is my story, and I'm sticking to it. I would, I would, I would take my backpack off and hang it on my handlebars. Oh no! Well, so you're completely well, top heavy. Well, you know, yeah, because I, I was top heavy. So I would take, <laughs> I would take my backpack off and hang it on my handlebars to take the pressure off my back. Well, you know, backpacks have those little straps that hang down. And that'll get in your spokes. It got in my spokes, thank yeah. you. Finally, someone believes me. Yes. <laughs> That's what happened, I promise, I promise you. I can well, ride a bike. And not I, only that, the weight of your back is pulling you forward anyway. Yes. I would say as your father, and <laughs> I, I am now a father <laughs> to, to two children, you never wear a backpack on the, on the handle it's called the back it's called the backpack because it, it goes on your back but but like summer said i'm very top heavy that was not a good i couldn't i just it, i yeah i didn't want it on my back so you were top heavy just, in fourth grade yes actually yeah. i yes it i believe it it was bad i definitely believe it all right yeah She's I one of yeah. those mute, mutant hot girls. I think you had oh too many. God. I think you had, you had too many books in your bag. Yes, <laughs> that too. You were you were trying to be too smart. That too. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so I totally get your whole bicycle thing, where you're like, I could literally die at any moment. Could it could happen if I fall off this bike or make one wrong move or slide even? Yeah. you were you were going mm-hmm. back and forth. You were uh-huh. shifting your way from side to side. You yeah, and you were going that back. Back out. You could get some serious road rash. <laughs> it was it was it was my Super Bowl of biking. They gave me a mountain bike, and they said, "Are you ready to do this?" I'm like, "Oh my god, it is on! I'm You're ready like, yeah. to do this." And um, and the cinematographer, uh, this guy named Guy B, he he now is a director. Um, he's had a huge career, but this was the first movie shot almost solely on Steadicam, and he oh, was wow. a skinny skinny little guy. But they did. They, they fell in love with the Steadicam early on, and they just ended up shooting the rest of the film almost handheld or Steadicam. It was really wild. But this, they had it on, on, a, on a mount, on a truck. And the car behind me was going faster than the, than the car behind And I was going faster than the So I almost ran into the film truck. And um, <laughs> so I had to really swerve and go in and out. And then um, they were like, oh, it looks amazing. And Robert Rustler's on the side. He was there because he had to be in the car for the next shot. He kept clapping, going, Matt, that was perfect. Go do it again. Because um, <laughs> <laughs> he, 
and uh, and uh, he said, "Welcome to show business, Matt. Looks great. Go do it again." And um, so I was going back up the hill and then back down and then back up the hill. I mean, we must have done like fifteen takes. It was crazy. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And I loved how they're like they just come to your trailer or whatever. They're like, you know how to ride a bike, and you're like, shouldn't you have asked for the day of? Ask if I can ride a bike. But, you know, the rule is in show business is yes, just, it's always just yes. Say yes. Yes. I I I did uh, I did a little part in my brother's movie Only the Brave about uh, firefighters. Real true story where eighteen firefighters lost their lives in Prescott, Arizona, during a, a flash fire, and I'm on the search and rescue. And they said, have you ever ridden in a helicopter before? And I said, <laughs> I said, hell yes. And, um, and they, 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 stri- they strapped me to the thing. I'm supposed to have my leg out on the, uh, you know, on the handle outside the helicopter. Oh, my hanging, God. Hanging out while I'm searching. And um, the helicopter takes off. And I grabbed onto this bar. And um, after the first take, this this guy goes, "You've never been in a helicopter before." <laughs> yes. And um, it wasn't the director. It was just, thank God, it was just like the ad, the cameraman, and the and the pilot. And I go, "How can you tell?" And he goes, "The way you grabbed onto the bar, like you were scared out of your mind, you know." And I said, "Yeah, I was. I was. It's a little windy out there." And well, <laughs> the last time I was in a helicopter, it wasn't like this. I wasn't. I wasn't hanging out the side. Right. Right. <laughs> Anyhow. Wow. I digress. Yeah. No, that's hilarious. <laughs> yes. But um but it was really cool. I mean, Tim Matheson was kind of a hero of mine. That's another movie I saw. I saw Animal House oh, in wow. the movie in the movie theaters at age eight. I was taken by my stepfather and my brothers. So I got to see Animal I House. Meant, I love your stepfather right now. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh my dad took us too, but my, my dad and my stepdad and um, we got caught uh, in Alien. We got caught in the movie theater and they called their mom. She came down to get oh. us and we convinced her to stay and watch the next showing. And she was <laughs> horrified. That's great. Uh, but, uh, um, but Tim Matheson was a real hero and I ended up going to University of Oregon. That's where they filmed Animal House. So I immediately had a kinship with him. Told him <sighs> where I was from. And, um, and uh, you know, it's interesting. There's an extra in the film there's so many cast members in this film. There's an extra named Jason Wiles. And he has had the biggest career out of any of the young actors in the film. He was just an extra, but he was on third watch for seven years. And guess what? He was on Scream. 90210 as well. He was on 90210. A big, big thing. I've stayed in touch with him. But wow. he's, uh, he's the sheriff on the Scream series that lasted two seasons. I don't know if they're going to do another Scream. But um. Anyways, I can get you a lot of guests. I can get you Robert, maybe Jason. We'll set it all up. And, and well, Benton, I'm a huge Jason fan. I really am. Like, I love Third Watch, too. And I didn't remember the crossovers they did with ER and everything. Oh, yeah, yeah. So cool. So it's really wild. That's show business, you know? The extra in the classroom ends up having the biggest career. And then some of the kids in that movie no longer are in show business. It's just wild. Right. You know? Right. Or they moved into different parts of show business for maybe voiceovers. Like the the girl who played Kate, she does a lot of voiceovers now. Tasia. She's not really in front of the. Yeah, yeah she has a lot. She has a big, yeah. big voiceover career. Yeah, she's not in front of the camera anymore, but she's all voiceover. So she found her niche too. Oh yeah, she's she's kicking butt. Yeah. How um how was Tim Matheson? Was he lovely? 
Oh man, he was the he best. He was gracious I mean, and wonderful. He was like my hero. I got to see him at a just at a magazine stand just about a year ago and reintroduced myself. Oh my god, really? Yeah. He remembered I, you. Yeah, yeah. And I saw him in Jumanji with my kids. Right. And he was the, he was the old creepy man right. who had his son killed or taken away by the video game. And I'm like, wow, isn't this ironic? Here he is playing the creepy guy. <laughs> performers yeah man i grew up with him watching well we loved the um the classic movies that he did when he was a kid like yours mine and ours growing up with lucille ball very of course of course animal house and drop dead fred and those movies but i grew up tucker's witch wow which i mean it's it was a little before my at grandma's house it came on before reruns of matlock or something like <laughs> it, it only tori it only lasted i think 13 episodes it was like you know bewitched meets you know matlock it was crazy so they wow. were she was like Catherine hicks in it in fact when we meet her in july if it happens i have a tucker's witch picture that i'm going to have her sign oh wow so, yes, with her and him and the cat. And so it's, awesome. it's a fun, fun, fun show. I think 1982 <laughs> it was when that one came out. I was totally unaware that Tim had a big career until he started talking about it before Animal House. He'd said he'd never done a comedy before Animal House. And um, he was, was such a cool dude. But I'm going to liken his career a little bit. He's had such a long career to Kurt Russell. Um, just he's had the working man TV career of Kurt Russell. Kurt Russell stayed yeah. in the movies, but Tim Madison has stood the test of time and continued to work. He really has. And he has done everything. He's done theater movies. He's done television shows. He's done TV movies. I mean, he was in one from that I just love still, and I have it on DVD, called Buried Secrets. I think it's about 20 years old. Wow. But uh, that was a made-for-TV NBC movie. And now yeah. I think that's shown in reruns on Lifetime and Buried Alive Part Two. He was in that. He was in um, the Child's Play remake. He was in oh, the Affair. Wow. Oh, jeez. Um, the the show The Affair. I don't know if you've seen that one. That's a Showtime mm -hmm. show. Yeah. He had a little bit in that. I mean, right. he's done everything. Still, The Affair is new. It's not. It's not an old show. Yeah, that's right. And he was the villain in Fletch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's done everything, and like you said, and that makes me feel really good that he is a nice person. Oh man, he was the he was the coolest. And I I'm mean, so really. happy that he was the coolest for you because you loved him so much, and that would just be so heartbreaking if he was just a jerk. Yeah, he was like, yeah, yeah, nice to meet you, whatever. Yeah, right. No, Get he it. was he was okay, great. kid. <laughs> yeah, such a cool dude. I mean, wow. really great introduction to show business was Tim Matheson. That's Absolutely. so amazing. Let's talk about some of the other cast members. <clears throat> we have, as we talked about a little earlier, we have Brooke Adams. And I love her in, of course, The Dead Zone, but also Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Oh, it's incredible. Great movie, right? Yeah. Oh, We've got yeah. Robert Ressler, who plays Richard Lawson. And we all know and love him from Nightmare on Elm Street Part 2. And he recently did... 
episodes of Ray Donovan and Tales of Halloween, which is an independent horror film. It's like um, a uh, anthology film that are like 10 minute shorts. Yep. And yep. that that movie has a lot, a lot of stars in it. It has Greg Grunberg in it. It had Caroline Williams in it. It had Felissa Rose for two seconds. I mean, it has a lot of horror people in it. And I mean, uh, I'm a dancer. I'm a swing dancer. Mainly. Oh, cool. And ballet, tap, all that. But mainly swing is what I'm best at. So Robert Ressler, love him in Shag. <laughs> oh, wow. Cool. <laughs> Have you ever seen Shag? Yes, yes, absolutely. <laughs> That was um that was a dance movie and Tori if you don't know that shag is a style of dance I believe from what South Carolina and it's kind of like their version of swing. Okay. <laughs> it's it's a little smoother. <laughs> I wow. I'm not I'm not that skilled. I don't know how to do the shag. I'm not that skilled. I'm more of a um, Lindy Hop kind of girl. <laughs> well, uh, I hope uh, he doesn't. He doesn't remember this, but Robert Rustler, he w- he had a hotel room you know, on a few floors down. And he invited a people, few people over for beers after one night of filming, and and uh, he had a porno on, <laughs> and and um, I was st- I had never seen one before. I was twenty years old. I'd never seen porn. I was like. I kept on making noises like, oh, my God. And, um, <laughs> and he, he, you know, he was in the middle of a conversation. He goes, yeah, me, me and my girlfriend, we watch these and we try to do every position that they do. Oh and um, and uh, I go, wow. And, um, and, and another, another guy's like, I can't believe you're acting like this, Matt. I'm like, I'm sorry. I'm just, this is, <laughs> this is shocking to me. <laughs> That's amazing. Oh my god. That is crazy. I love it. Yeah. Yes, I love it as well. Oh <laughs> I will never if I ever meet him at a convention now, I'm just gonna laugh. Oh yeah. It's yeah. gonna be so funny. <laughs> you know what? He might even remember that because I don't know, man. I don't know. <laughs> that's so we, funny. <laughs> we were drinking. Uh, oh well, that's different. <laughs> I, I, there was a restaurant up above and some girl um liked me and said you know hey do you want to do you want to i don't know it was some weird restaurant at the cast hotel where you could call people on other phones it was landlines but you could call table number 22 and these girls called me and said i think you're really cute i'm over at table 18 i went over and started talking to them and i this girl says do you want to do you want to come downstairs and um have a cigarette with me i said okay and I was leaving and Robert Russell grabbed me and goes, Hey, where are you going? And I said, oh, I'm going downstairs with this girl. He goes, wear a condom. Oh my God. <laughs> That's great. He was like my big brother. Hey kid, be careful. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> That's awesome. Oh my gosh. Yes. That's so funny. I love it so much. (laughs) I'm never going to look at it in the same way again, though. He's the best, man. He's he's the real deal, you know. So good. And his performance in this movie is extraordinary. I'm not going to say that just because I was in it. Oh, my God. But I mean, it's halting. It's the introduction to his character. Oh, Mm -hmm. no, you weren't, Mr. Norman. You were staring right at me. Mm-hmm. It was it was like James Dean. It was Johnny Depp. It was all of it. It was well, serious, serious business. Even before that, when he just turns around. Yeah, the look. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And just has that look in his eyes. Stunning. Right. Stunning. It says it says everything. And then let's go back to Tim Matheson again. 
the look in his eyes, the terror. Oh man. They, I they, mean, they lifted Stephen King right off the page. And right. Went there. They talk went about there. the eye. I, I like to talk about eye acting a lot. Mm-hmm. I mean, because I don't. Sometimes I talk about eyebrow acting. <laughs> the eyebrows are very animated. <laughs> <laughs> but we talked about it. We recorded uh, Dr. Giggles last week. And I talked about it in that one because you saw uh, just one single solitary human moment from this psycho. Yeah. You know, and. Done by the great Larry Drake. Uh-huh. Yep. And yeah. And then playing the son, we have Robert Hyde Gorman. And Tori and I just talked about him, what, a month and a half ago when we recorded our Leprechaun episode? Wow. Yeah. And we also talked about the fact that we know him as a child from Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead and how much uh-huh. we love that movie. Incredible. He <laughs> had a big career as a kid. Yeah, he yes, was. He did. Yeah, he was right there with Elijah Wood. He was. Yeah. He was. In fact, they did a movie together, Forever Young, I think. Wow. So yes, him and them. Yeah, uh, we have very uh, cool kid. I really liked Robert. I mean, yeah, he was good. Oh, he was so cool. His mom was with him, but I I kept up with him after that, you know, and would see him on auditions and go, "Hey, Robert, how's it going?" Aww. And uh, we were always trying out for series, and he was trying out for the little brother. I was trying out for the right. big brother. Right. And um, and uh, I'm looking at his IMDb now. I mean, I think he really just stopped. I think he must have gone to school and just just stopped acting for a while. Right. But well, on his IMDb page, he has a current picture, which is nice. I love it when there's a current picture and not one that's 20 years old. I'm looking at it now. I can't believe that's him. That's right? amazing. Yeah. <laughs> All grown up, right? All grown up. Oh, my God. He right. kicked, kicked my ass. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder how tall he grew. Uh, he's, he, he would knock me out with one punch, I'm sure. <laughs> he's a little burly. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and then one more horror actor we had was Bentley Mitchum, who played David North. And a year later, he starred in Demonic Toys. And I, lo- I love doll movies, total doll movie freak. So Demonic Toys, that's my, that's my jam. <laughs> oh, man. And you know, he's the, he's the grandson of um, Robert Mitchum. I wondered. Yes, he is. He's, he's Hollywood royalty, Bentley Mitchum. I wondered if there was a relation. That is so cool. Yeah. Yeah. And Nicholas Sadler, the third ghost in the film, uh-huh. He he um after that movie he he starred he I mean, he was in a number of movies he was in Scent of a Woman um he was in some gangster film with uh oh gosh I can't remember um but he had quite a little career going as well I he but those guys were so into being their characters they were so evil they just stuck together and. <laughs> They were the game. <laughs> they went to the premiere and they were absolutely out of their minds. I mean, it was really they they loved it more. They loved it more than anybody, I think. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, Nicholas Sadler, he just did one that I really liked called Bye Bye Man. Oh, yeah. And that's a, a ghost story. It was it was a good one. You should check that one out. He's such a good actor. He deserves he the work. I, I just don't. I would love to run into him and go, "Hey, so uh, uh, what happened 
where, where you been? Because right. he, dr- he dropped out for a while and then he's back. And it's always a story like, oh, man, I got married and then I uh, had to move to Pittsburgh. <laughs> and now, you know, she she decided to move out with me. And now, we, now I'm back in the business. I called up an old agent and I'm back into it. It's just a wild ride trying to be in show business. <laughs> and then real life gets in the way sometimes. Oh, yes, it does. That's mm-hmm. for sure. Well, let's talk about you, sir. Okay. <laughs> okay. All right. So, I, of course, knew you first at, um, what, nine years old. Totally inappropriate age to be watching (laughs) Beverly Hills 90210. (laughs) But that's when it happened. (laughs) And let's talk about that for a second, because it's really funny. You played a jerk of a character called Chucky Wilson. Right. Mm -hmm. And one of the trademark lines was Steve Sanders was talking about something you said to him and you said, watch out, Steve-O, Chucky's back, you know, like the movie. That's right. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And by then I was already full blown into my horror phase. So it was like, (gasps) any sort of mention of any horror movie in any other form was kind of fun for me. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> and uh, Tori, um, that yeah. episode of 90210 had another iconic horror actor in it. And he played young Chucky Wilson, the young version of Matt's. Wow. That, okay. Do you know who that might be, who I'm talking about? Well, I remember the kid who played my, me as a, as a yeah. kid on the on the. Yeah. On the sitcom, so, yeah. So, Tori, that was little Michael Hughes. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Now, she actually named her son Gage after his character in Pet Cemetery. Damn. <laughs> yes. Incredible. Yes. And he was also in Wes Craven's New Nightmare. Oh, that's amazing. Yes. Wow. And then I always, I loved him so much in this made-for-TV movie. It was kind of a suspense thriller it had uh what's it called um john ritter in it and that was called lethal vows and it was about john ritter was this ex-husband who was coming into his wife's house and poisoning her slowly but surely poisoning her making her sicker and sicker and sicker i i remember that movie i liked it right and he was in that that sounds familiar right yeah it was one of those based off of true story movies oh man Um, Mm -hmm. he was he was so little in that tv show I mean, yes. it was, it was like, yes, you know, they were, they were, they were trying to portray a hit show and Samantha Sanders and the little boy who was mm-hmm. supposed to be me mm-hmm. as Chucky, they, they concocted some little thing like, oh, Chucky, there right. you go again. Right. And, uh, <laughs> you know, and you watch it and go, that, there's no way that was a hit show, you know, but, um. Well, in the seventies, they were like that though. They really yeah. were. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there goes Chucky again. Right. Um, but yeah, you're right. He was in West uh, West Craven. He was in Apollo 13. He was. Spawn. Uh-huh. Damn. Mercury yes. Rising. Yes. Oh, my gosh. And he did so much. He did. He had a reoccurring on Full House as well as oh, a kid in that uh-huh. same age bracket. But he, um, before, even before Sometimes They Come Back, Pet Cemetery happened. I think that was two years before. He was just a toddler in that movie. Amazing. So, yeah, so that episode, I just wanted to talk about that because that 
had him in it, and Tori named her son Gage after his character, and she even told him so at a convention. Yep, he knows. <laughs> oh, that's incredible. Um, just a real quick showbiz story. There was always something being cast where the pilots were happening, for mm-hmm. the shows, and Parenthood was being cast. Oh, yeah. And, and I had seen the, the, the movie, and I knew that River Phoenix's little brother was in the movie, but I auditioned for Keanu Reeves' role. I think Robert Russell was there, I think. And then there was the younger brother. And it went down to a number of callbacks. But looking back, when Joaquin Phoenix won the Academy Award this year, I realized I auditioned with Leonardo DiCaprio before, <laughs> before he was famous. Right. On Thor Parenthood. It's just wild. And then, you know, Joaquin turned in one of the greatest horror cryptic performances ever in The Joker. Oh, that was just just um, stunning. It was really weird. Such a small world. But um, I would see Miko at auditions all the time and his mom would be there. Matt, how are you? I'm doing good. Oh. I'm doing good. Yeah. <laughs> and now he's grown. He's a grown man. Yes, and now he's on the convention circuit as well. Oh, wow. So I hope Good to get him. to see him at one time. He hasn't been to one that I have been at, but I've always wanted to to see him and meet him. It's so wild. and Because I grew up with him. The woman who played Samantha Sanders on Beverly Hills 90210 played my mom on a show called Step by Step. Um, <gasps> and, uh, and I was invited to Stacey Keenan's birthday party after doing the episode. And I, Leonardo DiCaprio was there. And at this point, he'd already done two movies, but they hadn't come out yet. He was like James Dean. He was mm-hmm. ready to be famous, but nobody knew who he was yet. But it was wild that she was my mom again in a TV show. We showed up for rehearsal. I'm like, hey, <laughs> hey it's you. Small world. It really is. You just keep running into the same people at auditions or in other yes. projects. Yeah. How does that feel? Is there ever a time where you're just like, ah, oh, you crap? <laughs> well, if it, if it happened all the time, it would mean that I worked all the time. I would like that. <laughs> I would, that's what I would really like. <laughs> right. But, but um, I tell you, I didn't really realize Brooke Adams was who she was when I was doing the movie. I mm-hmm. didn't put it together. I had seen Invasion of the Body Snatchers. I'd seen Dead Zone. For some reason, back then, you had no computer, no nothing. Oh, it's it true. just... It just didn't occur to me, and I didn't have any scenes with her, but I met her, and I knew she was somebody, and it just it hit me after I, after I did the movie, and I went up to her at the premiere and said, I just want to let you know what a big fan I am of yours, and um, she goes, oh, that's so sweet, and then I got a picture with her, like, like a fan. Aww. Yeah. Yeah. But, she, but I think that was Dino De Laurentiis, because he produced quite a few Stephen King movies that she was in. He did. And he 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 knew that she had bankability. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, and she's she's beautiful. Yes. I mean, Absolutely. she's not too hard to look at, so she is just just stunning. Yeah. Um. So we kind of skipped over to talk about all the wonderful actors in this, but what did you all think of the kill creativity in this one? The kill creativity. Um. I don't know. That's a hard one because I there weren't I a liked, lot. Yeah, although I like the kills, there was not very many of them, and they weren't very creative. It's I true. Don't think. Well, that's what happens with a made-for-TV movie. They they're really limited on what they can do and show. 
little watered down. True. Yeah. Can you True. imagine if this was a theatrical release, what Chip's death would have looked like? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Yes. Yeah. So, Matt, your death is actually the most graphic, even though it's not graphic, but it you see the most from it. Right, right. Right. The, the, the dead eyes. Eyes, mm-hmm. o- eyes open, neck broken. Dead eyes, twisted body. Yeah. And um, the, the special effects in this one, again, Tori, we talked about this. He's the same guy that did the special effects in Leprechaun and did the Leprechaun makeup. Mm. So hmm. that's another Leprechaun tie into this one. Gabriel Bartolos. Gabriel. That mm-hmm. sounds familiar. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I'm bringing you back, aren't I? Yeah. <laughs> Let's talk about so Tori and I we love collecting junk. So I mean I have a massive doll collection of horror movie dolls like from Puppet Master and I have a good guy doll and all those other dolls. So we like to collect horror movie memorabilia and junk. So she had the idea to have a category of prop we would like to own from the movies we talk about. Mm. Uh-huh. So, Tori, what would you like to own from this one? I had a really hard time coming up with a prop. Mm-hmm. So I think I just, I'm just going to go with the simple switchblade. Okay. Because yeah. there's so many, there's so many close-ups of it, and it's such an important part of the movie. It is. It it really is. It is. It's a trademark. Yes. It's exactly. it's like the switchblade that Henry Bowers had in it. Exactly. You're right. Yeah. Yes. Do you have any prop that stood out in your head, Matt? Oh, I'm still going to go back to the car, man. Isn't that a prop? The car was... <laughs> yes. <laughs> I've said that so many times. She I picked a car. the car. Once she picked, a, once she picked the whole damn house. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the, the car was so badass. Uh, it was so... I mean, everybody got freaked out on the set when they first saw it. Everybody cheered and it, it just took on a whole nother life. Everybody thought, oh, this movie's going to be badass because mm-hmm. of the car. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's it's a huge part of the story, yeah. the, the actual story in general. They've had a different car in the story, but it was still the same year of cars, so they kept that continuity. The car they used in the movie was a 1955 Chevy 150, ah. and the car in the book was a 1955 Ford sedan, and they basically looked – I'm a car guy. Matt, sorry. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm, cool. a car, I'm a dork. I love they, it. They, they basically they look very very similar. Okay. So and since this is uh, Stephen King's, you know, like you said, it was in a magazine. This was a short story. Mm-hmm. Look, he made a movie called Christine. Mm-hmm. It's all about a car. So I love that these, car. All, all these little themes in this in this short story that came out, it it blew up into a whole feature or a whole book. Yes. You know. Yes, yes. Because the car, yes. had, car had a life of its own, and sometimes they come back. It really did. It was yeah. part of their ghost. It was part of the ghost. Mm-hmm. That's right. I believe it was. So yeah. it was It was part of them, all of it. Yep. Um, for my prop, I, I kind of had a hard time picking one. Um, but then I saw it, and I had to have it, and I want the Havana Sweets cigar trinket box. <laughs> but I yes. want but I want all the contents in it. I want the right. red rabbit's foot with the keys. I want the 12 cents 
I want it the all. Baseball cards. <laughs> the baseball mm-hmm. cards. I, I want it all. <laughs> I want the box with the contents. <laughs> that's why you got. That's why you're running a podcast, Summer, because <laughs> that's that's really thinking specific. I love it. I'm like, I don't want the box. I want the, everything in the box too. I want yeah. the twelve cents, <laughs> <laughs> and it better be the right year. I want yeah. the coins too. That's I'm right. Just saying. <laughs> Oh, I want the rabbits, but with the keys, I want it all. Oh man, that's so awesome! <laughs> that would go great on my shelf. That would go great on my display. <laughs> that's cool. well, this isn't junk. This is memorabilia. You got a real organized set of memorabilia. It sounds I, like I do, and some of it, some of it, I don't even have out because I don't have room for it. One day, I'll have a bigger place, and I'll be able to display it all. I hope Tori has a whole entire room for it. Oh wow. And I just have a, a little apartment, so I have a couple of little shelves my husband lets me keep in the living room, and the dolls stare at him all night long, and he's just like, I can't believe you have this stuff in my home. <laughs> no, that's so wild. <laughs> oh, my gosh. My buddy, he was in, um, uh, he was in a band with the song Jump Around. What yeah. was that? Um, it, House of Pain? Huh. Danny O'Connor, he went to Tulsa, where his wife was living, and he went across to the outsider's house where they filmed where the Curtis brothers lived. Mm-hmm. And he realized he could buy the house for next to nothing. It was in shambles. He's restored it, <gasps> gotten all the memorabilia from the outsiders back. Wow. He, had, he, had, he had C. Thomas Howell come out for the opening. Rob, right. Lo, Rob Lowe shown up to do a to do autograph and, and all, all sorts of things. And he, he, for some reason, that location means so much to him. He lives in Tulsa now. And the Outsiders' house is a museum. Now, talk about a memorabilia hunt. I mean, no shit. It's, a, it's amazing. He's all about. There's a whole Facebook page dedicated to it. I'm gonna have to check that out. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll share it with you. It's incredible. Oh, please do, and I'll share it to the the Dolls of Horror page as well. Oh yes, I want to hear. I want to see that because that's awesome. Let's talk some fashion because you know we're chicks and we like fashion. Okay. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Young, hot. And an attitude that says, who cares? It's only fashion. That Hansel's so hot right now. Now, uh, Tori, what did you pick? My, you know my fashion pick. I'm going to let you guess. You got to know it. Crap. The leather jacket. Not just the leather jacket, but the, the leather jacket, t-shirt. the white tee, and the cuffed <laughs> bl- and the cuffed pants. Do I know my friend or what? Oh, I yeah. love that look. I love that look. Mm-hmm. So I you wanted to peg. I could be seduced with that look. <laughs> You want the pegged pants, the muscle tee, and the leather jacket, the whole. Yes. Do you, do you want the greased it back hair, too? Like, do you the whole thing? Eh, the, the greased hair, eh, I don't, nah. I don't know. Okay. Yeah, okay, pants, so just but, the clothes. Got it. But yeah. Well, um, Matt, my fashion moment is you, what part of what you were wearing. Really? <laughs> yes. Um, now, I normally pick something silly like big hair. So I could have very gone with Kate's hair with the big wave of bangs she had. But I fell in love with your dangle cuff earring. Oh, the earring? Yeah. <laughs> it oh was God. like a cuff on your cartilage or your lower cartilage at that. And it was just this, like a two-inch long dangle. <laughs> yeah, yeah. God, that's right. It was a clip-on because yeah. I, wasn't, I wasn't pierced at that point. And I even didn't. if you were, that was a very bizarre place to get pierced. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't even on, it wasn't on the lobe and it wasn't in the upper cartilage. It was kind of like towards the lower. It's where my third earring is. Uh, once I aspire to have a ladder on my right. ear, a whole oh. thing. And I only got one, two, three, and then I got two on the upper. 
and I still have them, but so I never got all the way up, but your that cuff is like where my third one is, <laughs> but you didn't have anything below it. Oh, that is so funny. I'll have to look at that again. So that was my fashion moment. Your cuff earring. <laughs> it's really weird. IMDB of all things came out of, it came out of nowhere like three years ago, an MGM fully a, a headshot of me as Billy Stearns and it has the MGM logo and it's one of the best pictures I've ever taken and I hadn't seen it until about three years ago. It just popped up. Somebody tagged me on it and now it's on my IMDb. Oh, wow. And, um, it's just one of those badass shots. I look like, I mean, it's just it's so cool with the long hair and the earring and everything. I can't believe that. I can't believe I still got this role. I had short hair. <laughs> it was amazing. But I was a rocker in the 80s. I loved heavy metal. So... I felt like I got the role because I had the vibe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's how my, that was my justification. You liked heavy metal and you looked like a gap model. <laughs> I, I had short hair at that point. I was kind of, I went, I went with the side part and I was trying to look clean cut and that seemed to be more of a, uh, a way to get work. Mm-hmm. And then ironically enough, I got that role and I said, <laughs> Oh, we can just give them hair extensions. It's cool. Yeah. Hey, they can make you look like almost anything, right? Yeah, but they usually don't they don't show that kind of imagination. <laughs> Especially but for I, a TV movie. Yeah, but I'm going to leave the fashion part to you guys. I don't I don't have any <laughs> I, I don't know anything about fashion. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's talk some music in this one. It it was um it was subtle the compositions. So okay. you didn't really notice them very much and it was composed by Carrie Plummery, <clears throat> but that's basically all I got. Sometimes there are certain songs throughout the movie, but again, this is a TV movie, so they didn't really do much of that on this one. Now, I, I, I'm going to disagree with you. I thought the mo- the the music every time the car showed up, it went mm-hmm. and it oh, that is really true. Cheesy kind of guitar and this sound with the with the synthesizer and it would just let you know like the cars okay, here. <laughs> we're going into the other world now and that uh, is that's a good point it was very early 90s it was almost late 80s you know? <gasps> it was um <laughs> it, it was the guitar strum of slumber party massacre part two <laughs> jesus you're incredible <laughs> <laughs> the driller killer guitar every time he showed up yeah, yeah. Also, that was him man that was right <laughs> you were totally right mm-hmm. yep it was the introduction to the death mobile man now every time i watch watch that and slumber party massacre i'm going to think of the death mobile <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no relation in movies at all just similar introductions to the evil <laughs> oh yeah introduction to the evil yes now for pacing i think this one had really pacing it was they had to keep the audience engaged and involved especially with the commercials right so it wasn't a theater movie so since you're taking breaks every 15 minutes you had to want to come back Mm -hmm. i I really think that had something to do with it Mm -hmm. right yeah and keep on killing people Yes, you have to. Keep on knocking people off. Every quarter, you got to kill someone. Yeah. (laughs) Every 15 minutes or so, someone's got to go. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) 
didn't and, nobody was spared no um and do you have anything to add tori about music pacing um, the music, no. The pacing, yes, I thought was very well done. Mm -hmm. um, I like the narrative at the beginning, telling a story. So yes. you know a little bit about what's going on. It keeps, sucks you in. It, you know, it gives you some information. So you know, okay, do I want to watch this? Do I not want to watch this? It, it engages you. And Stephen King movies actually do that a lot. They will have the main character narrating the story like the events you're about to watch have already happened. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And a lot of times that narration they include in the movie is in the book. This narration was not in the book. It was taken, kind of taken from, um, inspired by what they wrote in the book. What I, Tori, what I put on my Facebook yesterday was a quote from the book and that's basically... Um, where they got the beginning narration from. So it wasn't exactly the same. But that is actually my epic line. Let's talk about that. I love that opening section of narration so much that I picked that one for my epic line. Mm -hmm. And so that stream of monologue is... The mind holds on to painful memories for a reason, trying to keep us from making the same mistakes over and over. Some say if you go back to where the painful memories started, look at the place, walk through it, you can get free of the hurt and forget. The mind holds on to painful memories for a reason, trying to keep us from making the same mistakes over and over. Some say if you go back to where a painful memory started, look at the place, walk through it, you can get free of the hurt and forget. Oh, that's deep. Right. So that's my epic line. Now, that was not in the original story, but it's, it's close to what he was getting at. Amazing. What do you guys think? Do you, Matt, do you have an epic line? Um, the, the epic cheesy line. Uh, you're dust in the wind line, right? Yes. Oh, that's <laughs> it. You're God. You're right. I don't want to end a piece of dust in someone's eye. You know. You yeah. know that. You know that song, "Dust in the Wind." <laughs> I mean, I couldn't believe I had to say that crap. And um, I did love Kansas. I liked "Dust in the Wind," but I thought the whole thing was a little cheesy. But we pulled it off. It. It was just a. Uh, it's something that you remember. And I said, I don't want to end a piece of dust in someone's eye. And I go. I ride off and I die. Yes. Yes. And that was very much what TV was doing back then also. I've mm -hmm. been reliving the 90s a lot on this quarantine time, re-watching, binge-watching a lot of 90s shows uh. that I have on DVD. And mm -hmm. I've did, they've just been in a box for years, and I just pulled them all out. And there's always some sort of cheesy line that you're supposed to learn from like that <laughs> yes yes right really heavy-handed right and hitting it right on top of the head yes because yep. it's very after school special <laughs> oh yeah right yeah oh yeah so this was kind of in that era where they were just trying to get that through but it was also very profound very as well and it lets you see that the tim matheson character wasn't a bad guy because they started to show his temper a little bit. 
right? Oh, yeah. yeah. And go back to his past and why he lost his job in Chicago. And as you said in your opening classroom scene, when they talked about, he talked about losing his temper, you're like, I thought it was cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. very good. Thank you. <laughs> I told you I'm a dork. Yeah. <laughs> Total dork here. But it's true. And so I liked that with that line, they were able to show you, okay, he's not a bad guy. He's trying to improve on what he's got going on. And he doesn't dislike his students because he's giving you a chance. Right. So he doesn't think they're all bad. His past, <laughs> though, he could not shake his past. And it really, it really, he was ashen and he <laughs> was, he was haunted by the whole thing. I mean, it was really, I, I thought he did a good job at that. Oh, he definitely did. Mm-hmm. Tori, epic line for you. I had two epic lines. At, I don't know. Give them both. Come on. We love it. Well, one's an epic line and one was something that was wrote on the chalkboard. <laughs> oh, yeah. Because I, I noticed things like that. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, of course, you know, one of my epic lines has to be whenever they move into the house and they're spending their first night in the house and she says, I have to establish my territory. <laughs> Oh, excellent. <laughs> you know me too. You know me, Summer. That is you. Okay. <laughs> so then my other one, um, whenever he gets the first transfer student, on the chalkboard behind him is written, what's done cannot be undone by Shakespeare. Mm-hmm. It says it was by Shakespeare. And that's, I really like that. Oh, yeah. That's a good one. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yep. I, there was a few more lines in there that I laughed at or I went, huh, to. Um, <laughs> in the same scene as the monologue, the opening monologue, when the, the kid's like, this is so boring. Why are we here? And mom's like, this is much better than Chicago. And I'm going, nope. <laughs> <laughs> yep, I thought about you. Living I in Chicago, about- coming from Bakersfield, nope. <laughs> Definitely not. No, you're living in a creepy little town. <laughs> uh-huh. um, do you guys see any similarity now that I'm thinking about it? Just the, the, just that that this character and some Tim Matheson's character lends itself to Jack Torrance in The Shining. Somebody who'd lost his job, yeah. getting another job, having yeah. to relocate. But Jack Torrance obviously went to the full, you know, yeah. psycho. It, it just was, it was touching on the beginnings of that type of de- quiet desperation of a father with a child and a, and a wife and being haunted by something that he couldn't quite communicate. Well, you're absolutely right. And even more still, not necessarily in the movie, but in the book and in the miniseries version of The Shining. Mm-hmm, that's mm-hmm. touched on a lot more because in the Kubrick version, I mean... Torrance is just psycho. He's crazy. He's yeah. he's lost it, and he is snapped, and he is insane. In the book and in the miniseries version that starred Stephen Weber, <clears throat> it was more subtle. It was more realistic, and it was more tortured. Yeah. So you're ab- you're absolutely right. You are. I I think you should be working for the studio, summer. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> but. <laughs> But you're you are absolutely right. And 
was I going to say? You need to work for Michael Bay or somebody. <laughs> I think. Uh, oh, you, you, stop you, it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> we got to get some Bruckheimer or something. I don't know. <laughs> oh, stop. Well, I, I did just film my very, very, very first movie last year. So that was fun. Oh, excellent. I mean, I have three. I have uh, three scenes and like five lines. But hey, it was fun. I just see you in development. Like you're the you're the person like in the executive going hashing out the story. Yeah. The writer the writer's in front of you and you're like, I'm sorry, this doesn't work, you know. I could do um I could do casting. Oh yeah, you certainly <laughs> could. I think you're above that though. <laughs> well, because I can see like because I do read the source material. I'm right. like, nah, nah, nah. Good actor, but no. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so because I like to stay true to the source material. I really do. I'm, I'm one of those. I'm a purist. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, the other lines I I saw that I loved, which was um, tortured Tim Matheson waking up from his another one of his nightmares and screaming at his wife. Um, and I think we've all felt this from some sort of PTSD. And he screams, "When I sleep, I dream. I don't want to dream." Also, shades of a nightmare on Elm Street. <laughs> Promise me you'll come back to bed. You haven't slept hardly at all lately. I sleep, I dream, I don't want to dream! Wow, yeah. But if you've ever been through anything, it's that's how it is. And the line that made me laugh. Time to rock, Jock. Time to rock, Jock. <laughs> Time to rock, Jock. <laughs> I loved it. I loved it. That was that almost one for my epic line, but I went for profound instead of fun. <laughs> oh, I love it. Oh, my God. That's a good line, though. Time to rock, Jack. I loved yeah, it. Yeah. I loved it so much. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, my God. Oh, and whatever, whatever Robert Russell's opening speech was to, to Matheson, that was, the, that was the ultimate. I'm sorry. It was just... It was so good. He was... Going back to that, that was one of the greatest introductions to a character in a Stephen King movie. God, it was good. Yeah. It was so good. I loved the twist in this one and the main twist, of course. I mean, you know these guys are dead. That's not a surprise. Okay. But the twist that Milford is a cemetery and not a school. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because they just keep repeating, oh, I just transferred in from Milford. Mm -hmm. And when he goes to talk to Officer Nell... No, uh-huh. that's not a school. That's a cemetery. And yeah, that's I wrote that down as my twist. Right. And that's when you get the goosebumps and you're like, oh, shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. It's no secret mm-hmm. these guys are dead. But then yeah. it's like, oh, shit. <laughs> that's when he yeah, realizes well, it. Yeah, because we always do the twist part if the movie mm-hmm. has a twist. And I was mm-hmm. like, the first, twi- the first twist is showing up in the first place. Right. The second, the second <laughs> <Plot> twist. <laughs> yeah. The second twist is that it's a cemetery, not a school. Right. Jack, yes. Right? Mm-hmm. That is mm-hmm. oh so deep. Oh my god, <laughs> that was that, that was really horrifying. That was that was the best twist. There's no me, doubt about it. It gave me goosebumps when the first time I watched it because it was like woo, you know, and so it gave me goosebumps. And then the when I watched it again this weekend to refresh, I was like, yep, still got it. <laughs> still got the goosebumps. <laughs> yep, that's it. So. Uh, Let's talk about how scary this movie this movie is. <clears throat> what do you guys think of how scary this is? I don't I don't think it's that scary. I think it's creepy. 
I don't think it's like scary, scary, mm-hmm. like Salem's Lot or, you know, where it just haunts you and you think about it. Because mm-hmm. it was a TV movie, I think it was just, we're used to seeing more scary out of Stephen King. Right. Mm-hmm. But again, remember, this was before he published any novels at all. That's right. Mm-hmm. So this was his really early work. Yeah. So he was trying to, he was trying to walk the line, you know, mm-hmm. something, something acceptable for a magazine. Yes, and he was probably trying to figure out what he was going to do, like where he fell in the realm of horror. Yeah, yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Tori, anything to say? Um, I don't think that this movie is actually scary. It didn't scare me even when I saw it as a kid. It didn't scare me. It more or less had me intrigued. It was one of those movies where I knew my mom didn't want me watching it. So that made me want to watch it more. And then it was on TV. So it was like, yes, I can watch it without anybody knowing. And then, so it was just like, I, I love it. It's a great movie, but it's not actually like scary. Give me nightmares type of scary. Right. It's, it's good though. I love it. I love the plot twist. I, and I love their faces. Whenever they say do the face or, you know, give them. The yeah. I love all that. It's just like, no, nah, the actually- face is for kids. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's just not actually scary to me, but I did really enjoy it, even when I was a kid and I was supposed to be scared or whatever. I liked it. Now, of course, when I was a kid, I watched so many horror movies from the age of eight on that I never really was frightened of the movies ever. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. the weirdest thing. I maybe was frightened of certain gore aspects, but I wanted to watch it again. It wasn't. Mm-hmm. It didn't scare me like that. Oh, and it. Cool. Did, and it definitely didn't keep me up at night. But getting older and watching this movie, because I've watched, I've revisited this movie every couple of years or so. <clears throat> wow. What? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so the last time I've seen this movie was before this weekend was two years ago. Wow. When I, I had an injury and I was laid up and I was at work for like three weeks and I had all these DVDs that were given to me for my birthday and for Christmas. And this was like five, six months later. And I'm like, well, I guess I'll just pull them out and start, start watching them. And for some reason, this one was in that stack, even though that was not part of the gifts. So I watched it again. (laughs) So the last time I saw this movie was during that, that phase. And then I saw it again this last weekend. Now, for the scary, what I think is more scary as an adult now is instead of the ghosts and the gore, I think what Stephen King was going for is more of a realistic type scary. So the ghosts aren't as scary as the concept that I think he was aiming for, that we all have some event or events from our past that continue to come back and haunt us. Yes. No matter what. Right. And he happened to just be going back to Ground Zero, his hometown for it. But you don't have to actually go back home to experience that at all. And I think that's what he was going for. Oh, yeah. Right. So that's more of the scary part, I think. And the creepy title, Sometimes They Come Back. Oh meaning, yes, meaning it, it happens sometimes. This sort of stuff happens sometimes. It just really? happens. <laughs> it's just it's just what it, it's just what it is. And 
there's two sequels that were not books. Sometimes they come back for more. <laughs> and then sometimes they mm -hmm. come back again. Mm -hmm. I've seen the movie. <laughs> I've seen the movie. Which, which one? Did you see them Sometimes both? they come back again. It had Hillary Swank? Yeah. Yes. yes. And Alexis Arquette before she transitioned. Man. I was I had the same agent as Hillary Swank at the time, and I remember they did the second movie, and I remember thinking to myself, "I'd love to be a part of it." Oh, I'm dead. <laughs> oh, you're dead. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> but why couldn't you be coming back? That's all. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, right. They would, they would have to write that. They would have to specifically write that in. It's called sometimes they come back. You can yeah. come back. Yeah, that's right. Maybe I come back as a ghost. Wouldn't that be tragic if Billy turned evil? Oh, that'd be great. Yeah. <laughs> He's just angry, man. Just angry. But I and forgot. I, I really honestly forgot, just as you said it. I forgot that there was two sequels. That's incredible. Yeah. Did you see them, either of them, Matt? I did not. I apologize. How dare you? <laughs> <laughs> uh, Tori, did you see them both or just the Hillary Swank one? Just the Hillary Swank one, I think. Okay. Um, that's the better one as far as the two sequels go. I really didn't like the third one at all you know it had a good cast in it but i just the story didn't grab me it's on tubi right now if you guys want to watch it but it's just it's not for me mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so it, it takes place kind of like in an antarctica type place and it's just weird like the thing yes one of the, one of the great horror films except it's definitely not the thing yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, it had a good cast, too. I mean, it's such a shame. I just, I don't think I liked the story very much. It had, um, Tori, it had Clayton Rohner in it. Um, he was from April Fool's Day. Okay. And Faith Ford was in it. And it had a really good cast. It's just the story, just, it wasn't for me. But the, sometimes they come back again. That that was okay. It wasn't bad. But it was It was just okay. The first one is still, of course, the best. I can't believe that men don't find Hillary Swank attractive. I think she's beautiful. She I is always, beautiful. I've always thought she was mm -hmm. beautiful. I was like, mm -hmm. I mean, like stunning. And people are like, oh, no, dude. I mean, she's gross. I'm like, what? Are you joking me? Mm -hmm. You know, and I think she should have a bigger career. I mean, she's had a lot of success, but I think she should be starring in movies still. You know? Gee, she she's an Academy Award winner. What more I do think, you people want? I think she won twice. I right. Mean, yeah. It's really remarkable. Maybe she's got money. I don't know. I was auditioning for um, Bones, this, the TV show Bones. Mm -hmm. And um, I went in, and there's the director, the casting director and producer. And I did it. And then the director said, Matt, can we do something? Um, and I... I glanced at him, and then I did a double take, and I realized it was Chad Lowe, his, her ex-husband, ah. Rob Lowe's brother. And I, I remember just doing a double take, like, oh, oh, you know, and then I'm trying to pay attention to what his direction was, you know. Right. Can we just, can we just do that? And he was the, he's a big director now of TV. Like, like we said about moving into different areas of the business. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I remember Chad Lowe from, wow, back then, too. Wow. Yeah, I heard, I actually did forget about him. He was in some really good TV movies as well. He was, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, so, 
I mean, the next category I have on my list is the story, but all we've done is talk about the story. So do yes. you guys have anything else you want to add? <laughs> I think I think it could have um I think it could have been scarier. Um it could have been more gory, but they just didn't do that because it was a movie of the week because they had right. C they had CBS, like you say. I would love again, CBS, that was the squeaky clean uh network too. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. They had all the religious shows, and that was that was known when I was growing up as the Grandma Network. Oh yeah, yeah. Designing Women was on that show. I don't right. Know, on that network. Yeah. So let's talk about all the shows that I have been binge watching lately. Were CBS shows. Ah. <laughs> oh wow. I mean, most of them, at least. So <laughs> I'm totally. I'm telling you, I'm going right back to my childhood and reliving my grandma days when I spent every weekend at my grandmother's house. <laughs> oh, that's really cute. Because <laughs> these were in her all in her rotation. I'm talking. I I just finished like six seasons of Diagnosis Murder. Wow. I watched the first three years of Touched by an Angel. Jeez. <laughs> I killed all of Touched by an Angel's um, spinoff, Promised Land. That's only three years, I think. Damn. Uh, that one starred, speaking of designing women, Gerald McCraney and Delta Burke. Mm. <laughs> we'll yeah. Kept coming back on that one. Um, I've, I've touched on a little bit of Walker, Texas Ranger. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm, going, I'm going back to my grandma days. Yeah. <laughs> so that's In how Bakersfield. I'm spending, yes, in Bakersfield. That's how I'm spending quarantine. Before I, before I became a dancer and a skater, I was, I was spent every weekend there. And watched my grandma shows with my grandma. Wow. <laughs> you know, I, CBS was good to me. I mean, I did a lot of work with them. But the first big job I got after <laughs> Sometimes They Come Back, I got on Major Dad. And yeah. And Gerald McCraney was the major. And it was the first time I did a sitcom. Um, oh, it was the second time. But it was a real sitcom. It was a network primetime sitcom. Right. And um, it was a... Uh, Right as the Gulf War was starting, the first Gulf War. Yeah. And after the show was done, it went so well. Gerald McCraney put his arm around me. Come here, let's have a little talk. Oh. We're, we're bringing you back. Oh. And um, all of a sudden, I had a six, I had a six episode arc, and I was a big fan of Simon and Simon in the eighties. Oh yes. And Magnum PI, and I was like, whoa! It just was very intense. Anyways, I had a six-episode arc. I was going to go as a Marine with Gerald McCraney to the uh, Gulf War. And so I was going to have a dramatic arc on a sitcom. They're really going to try something they've never tried before. And then what what do you know? The war ends in three weeks. (laughs) I'm done. I do some stupid episode about a dog. And then then, uh, another episode, and I'm out. I went from six to three episodes. But it was the best reason to lose a job in show business ever because the oh, war for was sure. over. You know, oh, definitely. My husband was actually in that war, I believe. Damn! Oh my god! Yeah, he was. He was in the Navy in that time. Yeah. Well, tell him the whole Camp Pendleton um, crew came out for a taping one time. It was really cool. Oh wow! Yeah, I loved Major Dad. My mother watched that one all the time. I remember watching it and loving it with her. So. There's a good chance I probably saw those episodes and I just don't remember because I was oh. just super young. I had a Marine haircut, not the long hair. Well, like and, everyone um, else in the show. <laughs> and Marissa Ryan, um, the girl who was my love interest, we've been friends ever since. We're, we're still really good friends all these years later. That's so great. 
Mm-hmm. I love hearing stories like that, that when you develop a working relationship with somebody, no, no, any job. Yeah. And then you leave the job and you still remain friends and it, still keep in touch years and years later. I'm still in touch with friends I did in theater 20 years ago. Wow. Right. Wow. Yeah. And I just, I, I hold on to friends. I don't let people go. I really don't. It's, yeah. it's, and this was before the age of social media and where you could keep in touch with people so easily. I would send letters. I would send Christmas cards. I would pick up the phone and call because texting wasn't a thing. <laughs> like, I really don't let go of friends. <laughs> Again, you belong in an office, an executive building over at Universal. Or, uh, Make it happen, man. Yeah. <laughs> we, we got a secret weapon here. <laughs> and I'm a continuity expert too, so <laughs> Tor- Tori has to be in the office as well. It has to happen. Oh yeah, we're a team. Yeah. 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 We are a team. Yeah. So Warner Brothers. Overall yeah, That's where you belong. Oh definitely. <laughs> Let's talk about the overall movie rating on this one. Like on a scale of one to ten. Um, so from ten being the best movie you've ever seen, Matt, and then one being the biggest piece of shit. Okay. <laughs> wow. I and we we rank in dolls on the show. So like for example, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going I'm going to give this one seven dolls and a torso. <laughs> what about you, Tori? Um. <laughs> Because of the nostalgia factor and because I have a signed poster <laughs> and just everything, I, I'm probably going to go with eight. Yeah, eight. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I would give it more, except I'm really stingy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, I'm super, super stingy with my dolls. I mean, I give a lot of movies <laughs> five and sixes. So if you get a seven or an eight from me, you've really earned it. And if you get a nine, it must be great. I think, I think. <laughs> well, the, bi- well, the bike story alone. I mean, the bike story. Oh, alone, yeah. I mean, you know. Well, let's pretend that we, I mean, we were, <laughs> we were blessed to have. Mr. Matt Nolan on this show. Yes. But if we didn't, would would we have that bike story? I don't think so. No. <laughs> no. That bike story is a gem. That Mike's bike story is great. Oh my god. public knowledge. This that needs to go in a best of episode. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> when we do a best of, that's get that's going in. And you can find that biking clip on YouTube. Sometimes I come back. I I think the whole segment is on YouTube. The whole movie is actually it. on YouTube if anyone wants oh, to watch it. Oh, yeah. You can queue it up, I think. And um, I've, I've sparked it up early on in Facebook because I'm like, hey, isn't this neat? I did this so <laughs> long ago. But now, now I think most of my friends who've been on Facebook with me for all these years would be like, yeah, Matt, yeah. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> We've seen the biking thing. We you're know just- about it. It's like you're just mad. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're just you're still just mad to us, buddy. Sorry, yeah, yeah. hot shot actor man. Yeah. Congrats on being able to ride a bike. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's, that's what they say to you, Tori. <laughs> I know that's what they would say to me. I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> just don't ride a bike with a backpack on your handlebars. Yes. I know. Oh my gosh. <laughs> for God's sake. So a, you're going to watch out for that with your children now, aren't you? Yeah. But <laughs> I'm like, going to nope, give nope, I'm, nope. I'm going to give it a 7 as well because I'm a snob as well. Even if I'm in it, I got to be fair. 
right. it was a seven. And I think because I know how much work went into it and, and, uh, mm-hmm. and how, how, how hard it is to make a movie. Oh man. It, yeah. It's, it's really hard. And, and the, everybody worked so hard and there were so many different locations and everybody worked their ass off on the movie. And, uh, so yes. And it shows, it really, really shows. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Cause sometimes you see movies and it just feels like they just phoned it in. It's like, so this could have been so much better. Did they even try? Yeah. (laughs) Everybody. I mean, I, I was in that movie Argo, you know, and it won best picture. It did. And when, when, yeah, it won best picture and, Mm -hmm. and Ben Affleck in the, in his, acceptance speech of when it best picture he said you know what everybody in this movie was it doesn't matter if they had a line or they had a big role everybody brought everything they had every day to it and that's how i felt about sometimes they come back everybody was there to like crush it every day no matter what that is amazing Mm -hmm. that's Mm -hmm. great that's so 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 great wow cool yeah I have one fun fact. I pretty much most of my fun facts were from the book, which I listed earlier. But as I told you guys earlier, I'm kind of a car geek. Um, I'm I'm also a train geek. Like I really love trains, and I love taking the train every day here in Chicago. People say they hate the public transit system. I enjoy taking the train. I just get a thrill out of it every time. It's the weirdest thing. <laughs> I love the train too. I love it. Right. So I take it to work every day, and I don't care, and I, I adore it. And <laughs> and I don't have to deal with traffic or, or anything. It's great. And the train used in this movie, did you guys know that it is currently on display at the rail giants train museum in in uh, pomona california jeez are you kidding me no i'm not oh my gosh i used to go to pomona all the time yeah that's amazing yeah so why is it there why is it there why is the train there is it not because it was in the movie it has to have something other than that i don't know why it's there maybe it was used in another movie as well Mm. because I went on a really detailed train speech when we did, what was it? Terror Train, the New Year's movie with Mm -hmm. Jamie Lee Curtis. And those train cars are in a museum as well. Mm. So maybe the, maybe the train was used in another movie. And also the train cars that were used in Terror Train, they were very historic cars. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. that's why they were in the museum. Maybe this was also a historic car. It probably was because the movie takes place in the 50s. They probably got an old train. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. It's not a yeah. new train. They got an old train. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that would make it a classic. Just like just like the yeah. Ford car and the Chevy car and his 1973 station wagon. <laughs> right. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. So, Yeah. I, I love tra- I love trains. I'm such a dork. <laughs> well, it's really cool. I mean, it's really cool how we've, we've broken this movie down and realized that a lot of themes from Stephen King that came out in their movies yes, were kind yes, of yes. were kind of were touched on in this this little short story that came out in a magazine. Right. And it in a, a dirty blo- magazine at that. <laughs> yeah, but blew up into all sorts of different storylines like Christine and The Shining mm-hmm. and um, Stand by Me. 
mm-hmm. all these all these things had had the elements and and, and it with the officer Nell and also the the children you know and the kinship they felt that was reminiscent of it as well yeah yeah <clears throat> and stand by me <laughs> mhm and yeah. also with it the the fact that something else is coming back to get you <laughs> right right yeah that movie is freaky man yeah some of the material i read online i didn't pay much put much stock into it because it talked about how well the pennywise comes back every 27 years and this was 27 years after that and i'm like yeah but that wasn't how it was originally written they just did that for the age factor so they could keep the 50s theme mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right so i'm like yeah whatever <laughs> but so that i don't think that was part of it but i'm gonna call stephen king <laughs> the modern day shakespeare because of, mm-hmm. of shakespeare of horror Oh, yes. So, yes, so pro- for sure. So prolific. Nobody's ever written the amount he's written. And he wrote under the influence. I mean, I, some oh, say man. that he wrote he wrote Cujo in three days in a blackout. Um, but they did, a, they did an interview with his agent. They were talking about Stephen King's career and how he stopped drinking at one point. Yeah. And then his publisher went out after they did a big deal in New York City. And he says... I knew that Stephen had a problem because when the waitress came up to ask us whether he wanted a drink, I ordered my drink and Stephen said, could you bring me three beers? Because I don't want to have to wait for the next one. And uh, they, she brought him three beers. And um, I, it's amazing that somebody who had such a heavy duty drinking problem could could write right in the in the in the amount that he did. Um like there's a lot of stories about F. Scott Fitzgerald and Hemingway not being able to write as much as the drinking problem got heavier. He's this guy is a mutant. Stephen <laughs> King is a mutant of all. That's when he works best. Worked it's, best. It's incredible, right? Yeah, yeah, and it's unfortunate, but it is it is incredible. And but sometimes you can tell, like we were talking about earlier off the show, Matt, when. I read it. I was like, "What is he on?" <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that 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 book is like reading Alice in Wonderland. It is a shit show of confusion. <laughs> he was on acid or speed, right? Yeah. So, yes. <laughs> so some of his stuff comes out good, and some of it is just what? It's still good, but it's more confusing, and you got to go really meta with it, and you got to really look for the deeper meaning <laughs> but can you imagine being so prolific and having like okay i'm gonna sit down and write and then you black out and you wake yeah. up in the morning and you got about 35 pages and you just go back and read it and discover what your mind your subconscious had in mind and you don't even remember that you wrote it now that is pure genius mm-hmm. it is it's mm-hmm. it's something that the i mean i don't i don't know anybody who's able to do something like that nope I couldn't write a Taco Bell commercial drunk. <laughs> oh my god! I, cu- I couldn't order Taco Bell. Drunk. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I only have to say three words to order yeah. my Taco Bell drunk, and I probably wouldn't even be able to get that out. Yeah. I'd be like Mexican pizza, please, and then I, I couldn't even do that right. <laughs> I'm just saying. Oh my god! Now everyone um, knows my Taco Bell preference. <laughs> <laughs> well, I want to plug something before we you guys wrap it up. Uh, oh, of course. I, this is our next section. I did a movie um, where I'm the co-producer. I've produced two movies, uh, been co-producer on two movies, because all these years I've been meeting movie stars 
I do a lot of voiceover where I'm doing the the, the movie star's voice, who who's not available in post production because they're off doing another movie, and I can imitate them. And I audition through my voice agent, and sometimes I get it, sometimes I don't. And I show up, and I fill in lines, and nobody knows it's my voice. Sometimes I get a credit, sometimes I don't on the back end. Mm-hmm. But um, but I do a lot of so I do do a lot of that. I do a lot of voiceover, but I've been co-producing um. And I've been, you know, being able to back channel scripts to two working actors that I've known for years that have mean something to a budget. And there's something coming out hopefully this summer on Netflix or Amazon called MK Ultra about the CIA experiments that they conducted on humans in the 60s. And the director is from the military and he was 10 years in intelligence and he went to USC film school and this is his second film and this is one of the creepiest films you've ever seen it is a psychological thriller and it's just it's just really really i would i think it's more psychological thriller than scary but it's also scary oh i can't it, wait it gets underneath your skin it makes you think like my god those poor people but it's just so cryptic and and it's a dark underworld that the lead character sucked into. What's it and called it's, again? It, it's right up your alley. MK Ultra, which is exactly what the CIA operation was called. And if you if you Google them MK Ultra, um, you would find all this information out about it. And uh, so it's unclassified material, and the guy made it into a script, and it's just fantastic. I'm co-producer just because I was able to locate a couple actors and get them to work for a fee. And, you know, it's now going to be sold and distributed. And I'm really excited about it. So I'm hoping to be a big producer. That's what I'm that's what I'm hoping. Well, Matt, when it happens, when you when this movie is closer to being released, you'll have to come back and we'll have to talk more about it. Thank you. I got a creepy mustache. We can talk about that. I'm in the movie. Um, (laughs) You don't have to be in the movie, but if you just want to come back and talk about the movie and yeah, you can definitely do that. Right, Tori? Mm-hmm, for sure. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Appreciate it. I do have a, a part in it. I torture people. It's very, <laughs> very. It's really mm-hmm. awesome. Um, <laughs> I, I, I was supposed to be hitting somebody, and he's strapped to a to a pole, and he's naked. I'm sitting there having a beat, a naked man, and um, and this is very, hot. <laughs> this is, and I'm hitting him, and um, and uh, the, in between takes, he goes. <clears throat> You really, you really got me on that last take, man. Please, just go easy on me. I mean, just try to, try to take it easy. I'm like, oh, I'm so sorry. He's sitting there naked. His, his, I mean, his body's completely retreated. I'm like, I'm so terribly sorry. It was like 90 <laughs> degrees. We're in Mississippi. Um, He's probably uh, the only one semi-comfortable if it was that hot. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm just saying. Yeah, but it's got a, it stars Anson Mount from who's the, Captain Pike in the new Star Trek series and okay. it stars and it stars Jason Patrick from the Lost. Wow. Mm. Yeah. Wow. And he's really good in this movie. So it it was a movie that was He's good in everything. A, he's so it's good. It's a lower budget film, but you know, we needed Jason Patrick. He was the key. Yeah. You needed somebody. He's really really good in this. Yeah. Oh, I'm so excited. Hopefully it'll be great. No, it's going to be great. I'm I'm confident it's going to be great. I'm very excited to see this and talk more about it when it comes out. Love it. Yeah. Any um, Anything else or anybody else you wanted to shout out? 
Um, well, you know, hey, if anybody's still listening to this, how, how you can help me is to go on my IMDb page, look through my photos and everything. Then you register as a unique visitor. When this quarantine's all over, I got to go out and get myself a theatrical agent again because the, the business has shifted around and I need to start wow. my older phase. So any love you can give on the page, I would appreciate it. And that's Matt Nolan, well, N-O-L-A-N. That's right. You Google Matt Nolan, N-O-L-A-N, Nolan Ryan, like the picture. Mm. And, um, and then uh, and you, and you click on the IMDb. It should be one of the first things up there. Very, very cool. I didn't know that's how that's the that was the algorithm they had. I didn't know. Yeah, it's part of that. Um, of course, being in big movies too, um, that that's also has something to do with it. And does that like help your star rating and stuff? Whatever the I hell believe, that means. It's so ridiculous. The star <laughs> rating. I mean, I know people who make millions of dollars and they have like they're they're ranked two hundred thousand. And then there's some girl who's paying somebody for a service to up their star ranking. And they're like 4,000. Oh and, um, you know, she's got three lines on 911. You know? Right. Wow. It doesn't mean a thing. But right. it, is, it does, it does help perception a little bit. You know? Yeah, a little bit for, yeah, for the agents and stuff, right? What the heck? Yeah, it makes it look like, oh, this guy's got something on the balls, you know. He's still right. working. Right. Well, guys, just to let you all know, I have, as he was talking, went to Matt Nolan's IMDb page and scrolled through his photos. It literally takes that long to do it. So it's not hard. <laughs> so just do it. It's like 30 <laughs> seconds. That's right. <laughs> but come on, let's help the guy out. It's if that's, not hard. that's what it takes, I didn't even know. I didn't know. If that's what it takes, Let's and do you, it. You, yeah, you just scroll down the filmography and then that's yeah. it. You're done. Yeah, takes, I just takes 45 seconds. I just did it. Boom. Yeah. You're welcome. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. You are now a unique visitor. <laughs> Woo. <laughs> um, Tori, did you have any shout outs? No. No. <laughs> okay. Well, she always likes to leave it up to me. And then if I forget one, I feel like a dick. <laughs> <laughs> Um, first and foremost, we need to thank our guest tonight, Matt. Mm -hmm. It's been an honor and a pleasure and mm -hmm. so much fun. You two are smart and fun. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. No, um, me being a fan of your work from way back, it's, it was kind of a, a big deal for me. I was kind of geeking out. I love Sorry. It. Sorry. <laughs> Fangirling over here. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I'm. It was very, very exciting, and it's exciting to, to me too. Even though I'm not a creeper, <laughs> I'm such a creeper. But I'm a creeper in a good way because I'm. I'm. A, I'm like a Stephen King creeper. I'm like, I went in depth into this book shit, man. I was like, I told you, I was going to get real creepy on my Stephen King nerdum here. <laughs> well, but Billy texted me and said, you know, Summer wants a autographed thing from nine hundred two one zero. It's a horror podcast. I went. I was in a horror movie. How about, how about putting me on the podcast, man? Let's do it. And I couldn't believe it when he texted me and told me that. I was like, wait, what? He actually <laughs> wants to do the show? Really? Oh, this has been so much fun. I mean, this it, is thought-provoking, too, on the horror level. I love it. Yeah, we really we go deep. And yeah. this one was actually hard to go deep on because it was a tv movie so there's less known about it 
but you definitely helped that for sure. You had insider info. <clears throat> for my second shout out, we have to shout out Mr. Billy Worley, who gave us mm -hmm. this introduction to Matt. Because without Billy. Billy and his appearance on our show, that we wouldn't have never had this conversation. And I am actually quite relieved that Billy had a good experience because he wouldn't have recommended it. <laughs> <laughs> Billy loves us. Billy has been on multiple times. He yes, Billy just did a Dark Doctor Giggles episode, and we're going to have him back in a little while for Piranha that he was in as well. Oh man, that's awesome! I know, so exciting. And uh, we also have to shout out our fantastic producer who is just waiting in the wings, Alexa. Mr. Jesse Randall, also known as Alexa. Well, yeah. to you, I'm known as Alexa. <laughs> <laughs> and we call him Alexa, Matt, because whenever we need to know information, we're just like, hey, Alexa. Yep. <laughs> and, and he's like, on it. Time's in. <laughs> yeah, man, Jesse, thank you. Hey, Jesse no. is the man. Hey, you know, I try. <laughs> and there's nobody at my kid's school named Jesse other than my son. So you guys are like, you know, and what, what tipped it for me was a girl said, if I met a girl named, if I met a guy named Jesse, I'd give him my phone number. If I met, <gasps> if, I oh met a, if I met a kid named so and so, I'd say go fuck yourself. <laughs> we'll that was, the, that was the measure. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, it was very funny. She was French. She said it in a French accent when when she said it. I'm like, okay, okay. <laughs> and now my kids are named Jesse James. I, it's just so silly. I can't help it. Uh, Jesse yeah. James Nolan or James, no, it's, Jesse and James? Uh, James is the older one. Jesse is the younger one. Okay. Everybody's like, do we, can we really do that? Can we get away with that? I'm yes. Like, yeah. <laughs> Jesse was on the list the first time around. Let's just go with Jesse on the second. <laughs> it's like, None yes, <laughs> yes, you can. You can do whatever you want with names. That is, that is fact. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> well, He's like, you, true. Jesse. Yeah. Jesse really, really helps us out a lot. He, fixes any audio glitches we might have he edits pieces together when we well number calls. one he tolerates us he tolerates us <laughs> <laughs> he's probably blows wants to blow his brains out half the time but he tolerates us wow. <laughs> he's on speed and acid like stephen king <laughs> yeah. because of us yeah because of us because of you yeah, i'm on exactly. all of the drugs <laughs> It's like, because of us, we made him do drugs. <laughs> he orders three beers at a time after the podcast. Dude, that is a funny story because I actually wait on people at my restaurant job that do that. Oh, do Be they? Because they don't want to wait for me to come back with their other one. And I'm and I'm like, you have a fucking problem, man. And, uh... <laughs> hey, man, I was going to suggest we did that at cons from now on. Uh um, I, you know, I don't, I don't like drinking at cons, though. True, true. I, I don't like a, drinking at conventions because I don't want to make a fool of myself. I'm super oh on edge to, at conventions. To lead, out, to lead out with two beers, though, that's a good strategy. But if you keep on doing it throughout yeah. the night, you're really in big trouble. Yeah. 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 So I, I actually have customers who order like that because they want it now. Oh, that's amazing. And that's how fast they're going to drink it because it's not going to get warm. <laughs> yeah true it's not like scotch it's it's gonna stay cold and they're gonna they're gonna drink it that quick oh my god stephen king you are a master you're a you're a i mean he's he's not made of of uh regular human 
flesh. He is he is a machine. His brain is a machine, that's for sure. Yeah. yeah oh my absolutely. gosh. Definitely. Um, a few more shout outs. Our podcast mentors, Wes and Kevin at It's a Horror Podcast. We just had both of them on for our Scream episode and our Intruder episode, and it was so much fun. They have basically taught us how to podcast, so they are so important to our show. So I have to talk about them each and every show. If you love breaking down horror like we do, check them out. Also, Christy Adams from Nightmare Toys. Their store is getting ready to open, I think, this week. So by the time this episode drops, the store hopefully will be open in Las Vegas, Nevada. Nevada mm -hmm. is now open. Open. <laughs> so they are in the process right now of setting everything up. And she says they're trying to open by the end of the week. So by the time this airs, you... You will have a Nightmare Toys store in Las Vegas to go and check out, and I can't wait to see it in person. God bless America, and God bless Nevada. Mm -hmm. <laughs> one last one. I need to... Excuse me. My mouth is clearly done for the night. <laughs> oh my God. I need to shout out Mike from Champ's Word Podcast. Mm -hmm. He has been communicating with us that he's wanted us to come on his show. Mm -hmm. And we're going to be doing it real soon. Isn't that right, Tori? Mm -hmm. Yes. And I got his package today, too. He said that he sent you something for us. What was yes. it? It was two of his bracelets that promote his podcast. Oh, nice. Yeah. So I have that for you. I'll have to send him some of our pins. <laughs> mm -hmm. And a business card. Yeah. Yeah. You, you should send something really creepy back, like a human <laughs> ear or something. I can send a lock of my hair. Okay. Yeah, yeah. that's pretty creepy right there. <laughs> Be like, here you go. <laughs> Tori, send a lock of your hair in one of those super sexy photos. That oh, you... my Jesus Christ, <laughs> Summer. We need a, to a top heavy photo. <laughs> Every photo she takes is top heavy. <laughs> you know what? Okay, I I have to admit, since we're talking about that, I stalked you out on Facebook and I sent you a request. Oh, really? So you can see the photos that she's referring to. We can talk about that um, <laughs> later, Matt. You might be confused. Yes. Oh, yeah. okay. All right. So we can talk about that later. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um. Top heavy. Top heavy. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Oh my god, Tori! That's the name for the episode! <laughs> Why? Because we're talking about top... Okay, 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 okay. Top, top heavy bicycle rides. Yeah. <laughs> Riding it down. Oh, so, man, that's too good. Matt, this is how we come up with titles. Something just happens during the episode. And we just decide that's going to be the title our mm -hmm. dr giggles episode was so crazy and you have to listen because that's billy on it yes well he needs to listen to the hand because that one's hilarious okay. mm -hmm. but matt our dr giggles episode is going to be titled <clears throat> billy's bucket of hearts <laughs> from crunchy to scrunchy um chocolate syrup Fair enough. <laughs> oh my god, that's great. And all of those phrases were talked about in the episode. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. It started off with the Billy's bucket of hearts. And then yeah. It went from there. 
Oh my god, that's great! Oh my gosh, that so is- that it, it happened at the end, but that's our title, top heavy. Yeah. <laughs> well, okay, and here's the thing, Jesse. You, whenever we're talking about the bicycle scene, whenever Matt's talking about it, and when we're discussing the whole bicycle thing, you need to insert Matt saying "top heavy." <laughs> every so, every so often, where he just says "top heavy," "top heavy." <laughs> Just to insert it like you did the giggles in the Doctor Giggles episode. <laughs> uh, I'll take it under it. Top, <laughs> top heavy bicycle ride. <laughs> top heavy murderous bicycle ride. Oh my god, you're making this longer. <laughs> Riding top down. He- top heavy death ride. Yes, yes, that's better. Top heavy death ride. That's better. <laughs> That's an Got 80s. It. That is an 80s hair band uh, title. Yes, it is. <laughs> oh, <laughs> God, I can see the lead singer. Yeah. Pop heavy death ride. That's amazing. <laughs> oh my God. I love it. I love the 80s, so I'm I'm all for it. I'm down. Oh, yeah. That's so awesome. <clears throat> well, Matt, thank you. So, thank you so much. So much. This has been amazing, and we can't wait to have you back for MK. Ultra. Yeah. When it I happens. Love it. I'm I'm really excited. I'm so, so, so excited to see that and talk about it and pick your brain. It's gonna be amazing. I mm-hmm. appreciate it. Well you you ladies are made you're really on top of your game. You're you're an encyclopedia of horror. <laughs> we try. And uh, it's very impressive. So I had so much fun. Thanks yeah, for having man. me on and we're just making me feel relevant just for an hour. I'm gonna go back to <laughs> Take care of the kids now, man. We're just a cup. We're just a pair of horror nerds over here. Yeah, I love it. I've never, I've never experienced something like this before. It's incredible, dude. You got to come to a convention. Yeah, yeah I guess I do. I really. Oh, do. you'll you'll find your tribe again. It's it's kind of magical. Oh man. And I'm not. I mean, it sounds really hokey, but it really is magical. That's how we found each other. She and I. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's awesome. We were standing in line for a Nightmare on Elm Street photo op, and I looked down. And I said, "I love your shoes," and we've been best friends ever since. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yep. <laughs> well, when this comes out, I'm going to tag Robert Russler and say, "Robert, you know." <gasps> yes. I'm on, I'm on Facebook with him. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That's amazing. Oh, well give him our best next time we speak to him because (laughs) he's still hot by the way (laughs) quote from summer still hot oh my god (laughs) that's fantastic all right guys i think that about wraps it up Mm -hmm. so you've been listening to the dolls of horror podcast i'm summer i'm tori and our guest is matt nolan Thank you so much for sticking with us through this. We had fun and we hope you did too. We will talk to you later. Bye. See ya. This has been a presentation of the Dolls of Horror. New episodes are uploaded every week. If you'd like to reach out and say hello to the Dolls, send them an email at thedollsofhorror at yahoo.com. You can also follow them on Facebook and Instagram, both at the Dolls of Horror or on Twitter at Dolls of Horror for bonus content. And if you really like the podcast and want to support them financially so that they can keep making episodes, consider sending them a donation. Follow the link in the description or go to patreon.com slash the dolls of horror for more information. Thanks for listening and see you next time. Looks boring. Oh, come on. You're going to love it. It's much better than Chicago. Somebody spilled hot coffee on my head in the lobby. And, and my dad turned around and grabbed the guy and went, 
What the fuck are you doing? Like, <laughs> I, I would, I would take my backpack off and hang it on my handlebars. Oh no! Well, so you're completely well, top heavy. Well, you know, yeah, because I, I was top heavy. I was leaving, and Robert Russell grabbed me and goes, "Hey, where are you going?" And I said, oh, "I'm going downstairs with this girl." He goes, "Wear a condom." Oh my god! <laughs> That's great. He was like my big brother. I gotta record it and send it to my mom so I can prove I know how to ride a bike. Top heavy bicycle ride. <laughs> Top heavy murderous bicycle ride. Oh my god, you're making this longer. <laughs> oh my Jesus Christ, Summer. <laughs> <laughs>